This podcast is brought to you by Alda, where we connect you with some of your favorite sustainable brands. Be sure to check us out at alda.life. Or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Alda Lifestyle. Oh, I almost forgot something. Protect your wild. Welcome everyone to the All The Podcast. This is your host, Avinash. And I'm Colin Campbell. And today we're going to be talking about Patagonia. Um, Colin, let's start at the very beginning. Tell us more about the founder of Patagonia and the very start of the company. Yeah, so the founder is Yvonne Chouinard. I have no idea what nationality that is, but he's a white guy. Um, he... Grew up uh, in California there, and that's that's where he got to start with Patagonia, and it actually started as a climbing equipment company. Um, this guy was like one of the first guys to send it up uh, Yosemite Valley walls, and he kind of just started blacksmithing his own gear to do that. So, like forging it with a you know anvil and yeah. hammer no this dude's a real stuff. deal like he he literally learned blacksmithing and when he started that company i believe that was called like chenard something right it was just like his name at the time um oh, wow. but yeah the dude built his stuff uh because he was like yeah I, I can make better gear than what's out there so i'm gonna where would you learn blacksmithing from a dwarf yeah, he doesn't have the internet, um, so I have yeah. no idea. <laughs> That's interesting. So this guy <clears throat> makes his own climbing stuff, summits Yosemite's you know walls and stuff. Um, yeah, amongst... what, what else is going on? Right. Yeah, he has he has plenty of like badassery under his belt, right? So this guy does a, a road trip from California all the way down to Patagonia. Um, along the Patagonia's way, where? Patagonia is in Chile. Chile? Chile. Or Argentina. One of those <laughs> South American countries. Somewhere there. Uh, you guys can Google <laughs> Colin's it. Colin's really good at geography. <laughs> yeah, you guys have the internet. I, I don't have the internet right now. Um, but they're dope mountains, right? So this guy's a climber. He, he's epic, does cool stuff. Um, but he's also a surfer, and he was actually supposedly the first guy to surf in Baja in the Pacific. Um, which that's, that's pretty sick. awesome, but yeah, he, he said in some interviews, like they were, you know, roughing it, like literally they'd eat cat food at times, which is pretty crazy. Cat food? <clears throat> like food meant for, for cats. Right. So yeah. where would you buy cat food where you can also buy normal people food? Oh, I mean, you know? they could, there is just cheaper and it lasted. So, <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm not <laughs> so going to back up. I can't back up that decision, but uh, I, apparently it happened, yeah. I think the key to success is eating cat food. Yeah, it helps. It's a well-balanced diet and all that stuff, yeah. Yeah. All right, so anyway, let's continue with the story. This road <laughs> sure. trip um, that uh, Shinara... Shinard. Shinard, Shinard is going on. So he goes from California to the Patagonia Mountains. That's a you know bit of a ways. Mm-hmm. So what's he doing in Patagonia Mountains? 
Oh, he's sending that shit. He is sending it. Uh, the dude, I guess it's it was a, you know, a dream of theirs to climb in other places, and he became, you know, a renowned alpine climber as well, which means like climbing ice and shit, and like you know, summiting peaks as opposed to where climbing it's. You know, not necessarily about summoning peaks. It's about, like, going up sheer rock faces. So, I, I guess they just kind of wanted to get into that. <laughs> wow. So, Colin, you're, you're a climber yourself. <laughs> Is that something you want to try out as well? Uh, absolutely, but unfortunately the bastard made some really expensive equipment that I can't afford. So, <laughs> <laughs> one day, one day. All right, we'll put on the list. Yeah. So now this guy's climbing up mountains, alpine climbing, ice climbing, mm-hmm. doing all that stuff. And what happens next? Um, yeah, so apparently when he was in Scotland climbing once, he decided to buy a rugby jersey uh, while he was climbing because, you know, the color came up, which means they could have their gear slings and it not dig into their neck. Um, it was nice and colorful, which I guess he liked the color apparently at the time like outdoor gear for men especially was you know really drab like grays and stuff like that um and after that he, he basically got a, com- a lot of compliments when he was using that shirt climbing in the states and people wanted him so he started doing apparel and he went from there and made a pair of stand-up shorts as they called them because they're so stiff after um the first pair was made that they could literally you know stand up because of the canvas or whatever material they used to make them oh wow <clears throat> yeah so why why did you make the stand-up shorts again what was um, the purpose beyond making them so like rigid it was it's all durability i'm pretty sure um you wanted shorts i guess because it still allows good like flexibility with your legs sometimes pants can you know uh restrict but yeah i think the bulk of his story is basically there's gear out there that wasn't good enough for him so he he thought you know i could find a better way to do this and and that's what he did okay that's awesome so now um the patagonia we know today is all about like sustainability and things like that explain how how that company culture came about Mm -hmm. and uh inspiration behind all that yeah so i i think uh chenard is in that category where when you do things out in nature you have such a deep appreciation for it and um once more information started coming out about the harm that we're doing to it he made a switch with patagonia but it started before that even with his uh climbing company um which eventually turned into black diamond by the way uh, which is pretty in- incredible. That's another huge company that he sold it to his employees. So that was one of the first employee-owned companies when he did that move. Um, but yeah, basically, he realized that first these pitons for rock climbing that they're hammering into rock faces and. Okay, so explain to me what a piton is. A piton, right? Okay, so he's a blacksmith, okay. right? So pitons are basically a shard of metal with a loop on the end that they can hook their gear into. So you hammer that straight into the rock and it stays basically. Right. Um, 
so when you fall, you know, it catches you because your, your gear's strung up through those pitons, right? Yep. Um, so they realized soon how much that was damaging the rock faces themselves, um, <clears throat> just pounding in pitons and then being yanked back out and everything like that. Um, from multiple climbers just put a lot of wear and tear on the walls um, that were in Yosemite Valley so he then invented um, a chalk they're called which is basically picture a, a piece of aluminum I believe and it's kind of in like a hexagonal tube something like that right okay and then attached to it is like a piece of rope or, you know, something stronger than rope, but right? But a piece of material that makes a loop coming off of it. So they could put those chocks into cracks, like wedge them in back so that when you pull on them from the rope end, it, you know, just jams itself into the crack and won't come out. But then if you push it back forwards, you can then release it out and you don't okay. damage the wall. Um so that was basically his first environmental act is like cleaning up climbing in that way. And apparently once they made those, they sold like hotcakes, as they say, right? Is that what they say? Is that an outdated yeah, phrase? I think so, hotcakes. <laughs> I've never personally bought a hotcake, so I don't actually know. Yeah. I just get pancake mix. I don't know if that's the same thing, but... <laughs> yeah. Have you ever seen a hotcake? I've never seen a hotcake in my life. No. No, I, have. I think it's a British thing. That's uh, I like. Yeah. I'm gonna go on, on record <laughs> it's saying thing. it's a British thing. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, hotcakes, pitons, and sticking things in the walls. Yeah, um, and environmentalism, right? That's what it's getting back to. Okay, yeah. so he he loves the nature. He's seen some of the most you know beautiful places, and because of that wants to protect it once things come out about you know environmental degradation and what companies are doing that's harming it um so one of the first things that they did with patagonia was um helping protect the ventura river is basically being polluted people were trying to proclaim it as a dead river um and then some uh 25 year old student don't know his name basically took a bunch of pictures of wildlife around there that were still surviving through this and showed that as proof. And then Patagonia supported the, the kind of revitalization, I guess, of, of that river. So when um, you say dead river, can you explain that to people who don't know <laughs> what a dead river is? Sorry, I'm making explain things. Yeah, no, I mean, a dead river, just like, imagine, you know, if you run a sewage line, for example, right into a river, which I think was the case, you get so much pollutants be it too much um nutrients that causes like algae blooms and all this stuff that either makes the water toxic or you know the algae blooms will suck up all the oxygen and make it tough if not possible for life to you know exist in those rivers or so any body of water river. yeah okay yeah so now patagonia the company helps re revitalize this river mm -hmm. right yeah and then, um, so they've done lots of other activism things since then. That was kind of the start of it all. But um, they then looked inwards, right? They looked at their own company and said, okay, what is Patagonia doing right now that's harming the environment? Or what could we do better to make sure that um, 
we aren't supporting any of these, you know, degrading um, behaviors that companies do or what have you. So um, one of their first moves was in their catalogs, they would use recycled paper. So that's, you know, it's not something that was popular or fashionable then. They just did it because it was the right thing to do, right? Mad respect for that. Um, from there, they moved on and figured out how to get recycled polyester, um, which is, you know, a plasticky kind of material that's used in um, a lot of their clothing. Um, then in their distribution center, they figured out how to reduce their energy use by about 60%. So all of those things you know, weren't demanded by the public, but they were spurred internally from Chenard and, you know, his team, I guess, basically saying like, you know, nobody's making us do this better, but we're going to because it's the right thing to do, you know? That's, that's really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, uh, let's talk about the products themselves. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think we have gotten to that, that, uh, what makes them special? Um, do you have any yourself? And what are your thoughts on them? Yeah, so first of the products, you, you've seen probably a trend lately where it's Patagonia as a brand is becoming you know very popular with lots of different groups of people and not just like outdoors enthusiasts and environmentalists, right? It's become popular yeah. in sororities and all kinds of stuff. Um, yeah, because, you know, make it from your dorm room to your, you know, 7 a.m. classes you need that rugged you need that versatile climbing jacket jacket, right that that can resist the you know up to the storms of patagonia or something right um yeah so i it's gotten this kind of popularity and because of it there's been a lot of pushback to the brand of people maybe seeing that it's actually made in china and thinking oh, that must be terrible, Patagonia is a sham, blah, blah, blah. But the reality is they don't know, you know, what went into creating Patagonia, what their values are. Um, And yeah, so the products, I own a hat and a flannel, basically. Um, I love it to death, you know, wear my hat all the time. It's taken, you know, a beating and then flannel is the comfiest thing I own, I think. Um, Yeah. I've seen it, and it looks good, too. <laughs> yeah, it's nice, bright colors, you know. Um, but yeah, they're they're extremely high-quality products, and they use a ton of different recycled materials. They made this uh, push to get all their cotton organically, and they actually had a ton of hurdles to get over to do that, and there were lots of business people that were advising Chenard to like not bother to that it's not worth it to do that that you know that could even you know mean the end of their company because it could be so costly but you know when you believe in what you're doing he says screw that i i trust my gut you know i know this is the right thing to do and people took notice you know yeah um so he went down this whole supply chain and i made sure the whole thing followed like the whole company values yeah, all, I mean, all the way until the uh, um, the cotton farmers and where they're getting that from. Um, they wow. apparently didn't, They when they switched to organic cotton, they basically couldn't find enough to meet their demand. So they had to go direct to certain farmers and try to get them to change over their practices. <laughs> so it was, um, 
yeah, there's lots of hurdles to to overcome to kind of be a pioneer in this in that industry. Um, but yeah, you know, they got great jackets, great pants, all that kind of stuff. Uh, lots of climbing gear. Um, very durable. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, so then, um, what makes Patagonia um, the, the forerunner in like sustainable, you know, outdoors stuff. clothing and equipment and things like that? Yeah. Well, they're, I mean, because they're the first to do a lot of these practices, mm-hmm. that right off the bat set them apart. And they're constantly trying to figure out how to do more. Um, Yvonne Chouinard's publicly criticized other outdoors companies for not doing enough. Um, so it's one thing to do a little bit, but the reality is he knows, you know, with the size of some companies like REI, he called out specifically, um, for just not giving enough of their money to nonprofits and NGOs that are fighting for the protection of public lands. Yeah. And, um, I know, uh, Patagonia is associated with 1% for the planet. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah. It's linked. So Patagonia a long time ago, um, I don't know how long ago, but basically they they started donating 10% of profits to smaller environmental organizations at one point, right? The issue being that large NGOs and stuff are bogged down by administrative fees and all this stuff. And, you know, oftentimes less money actually gets to fighting the cause that they're supposed to be doing. So they would do 10% of their profits to environmental companies and eventually that switched that over to 1% of total revenue. And so that was uh, the brainchild, I guess, of himself and a guy named Craig Matthews. Um, So what Patagonia will do each year basically is donate whichever is greater, 10% of profits or 1% of total revenue. And typically it's 1% of revenue. So that means for those of you who don't know those, you know, revenue versus profit, it basically means that even if Patagonia as a company loses money that year, they still have to donate 1% of their total sales. So, you know, they sell, for example, $500 million of stuff. They have to donate 1% of that, which would be about $5 million to um, nonprofits. Yeah. Wow. That's a pretty good move. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So I know uh, recently Patagonia had an ad, and they only had one ad. Mm-hmm. What's so significant about that? Yeah, so so Patagonia's advertising and marketing has always been a bit different. Um, they had a very popular campaign a long time ago that was called Don't Buy This Jacket, basically, where they encouraged people to stop buying their stuff if they don't need it, right? So that, that was something that already set them apart on kind of taking a different approach, but it, it worked. And so in this case, um, they ran a television ad and spent, I think, about, they said like $800,000 on it. And it's basically Yvonne Chouinard talking about um, why the public lands are important. And these, right now, national monuments are at risk. Um you know, not to get political, but under the current administration, they're just reevaluating, I guess, saying maybe, you know, we should use these for resources or what have you. And 
So Patagonia, you know, went out and spent their own money to send out the message, not saying like, you know, hate these politicians, this, that, or the other, but saying that, you know, these are our lands, you know, the people of America and we need to protect them so that our grandchildren and their grandchildren can enjoy and appreciate them just as we have. I can be a pretty cynical guy. The one thing that really keeps me going are these wild places that are the real soul of this country. A great part of my life, I've been climbing and fishing and hunting on public lands. I've been a successful businessman because of the lessons I learned in the outdoors. My business was built on having wild places. Public lands have never been more threatened than right now because you have a few self-serving politicians who want to sell them off and make money. Behind the politicians are the energy companies and the big corporations that want to use up those natural resources. It's just greed. This belongs to us. This belongs to all of the people in America. It's our heritage. I hope my kids and grandkids will have the same experiences that I have. Our Secretary of the Interior, Zinke, has said he believes in public lands. Let's hold him to it. Let's not let him back down on that. So that was Yvonne Chouinard that you heard right there. And um, even though he's 78 years old, you can tell his passion for the environment is as strong as ever. Colin, is there any closing comments you'd like to make about Patagonia? Yeah. Um, one, Yvonne Chouinard's a complete badass and my man crush. Um, so <laughs> I couldn't I, tell, Colin. I really <laughs> couldn't tell. So, you know, don't... After what you told me, like... How could he not, right? He's an incredible man. Yeah, Yeah. he's like the most interesting man in the world. (laughs) Right? Yeah, basically. (laughs) Um, So yeah, lessons to be learned. I mean, first of all, Patagonia is the real deal. Um, Just because they're a large company does not mean that they're working every single day to uphold these values of environmentalism. And I personally trust them and their actions um, to do things the right way. And that all stems from the culture that was set by Yvonne Chouinard. Um, and he was a forerunner proving that you can have large, profitable companies that ultimately make a positive impact on all of the stakeholders of that company, from the you know workers in China who are manufacturing their clothing all the way up to the executives. You know, people are caring about the greater good instead of their how big their bonus is, you know? And that's a, a culture that I would I'd love to see spread about business and sustainability throughout, you know, other companies and hopefully we'll see more transition over. Um, yep. But yeah, they're the real deal. Hopefully we incorporate that in our company. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I wanna get to be a part of one percent for the planet. That's one of our goals. Um but yeah. All right, cool. So just a dec- disclaimer: Colin does not work for Patagonia. <laughs> yeah. And is nowhere. I applied. They didn't want me. <laughs> He's just a really big fan of Yvonne Chouinard and Patagonia. Yeah. Man. Uh, so that about wraps up our, you know, podcast on Patagonia, and we're big fans of it. Uh, we'll see you next week with our episode on. Something Um, else. (laughs) Right. Alright. Catch you next week. Remember, protect your wild. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook at 
Alba Lifestyle. Review us, share it with your pals. Deuces. Again, shout out to my friend Bally's. He is the creator of our awesome theme music. Be sure to hit him up on Spotify or SoundCloud and check out his stuff. That's V-A-L-L-E-Y-Z.